Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott. On this show, we address the challenges faced in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era. Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must have a missional mindset. Christianity does have the answers of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's conversation. Over the last few years, we've seen some radically different ideas about how to do church and about Christianity in general. If the church is going to adapt as as culture changes, what changes might churches need to look at in order to thrive in today's world? This is Christian Curious with Haley Gray Scott and Hannah Greaser. Hannah, got a question? I have an answer. All right. (laughs) What is one thing you would like the church to pay attention to? So when we say the church, capital C, capital C, so body of believers, right? Uh-huh. I wish that the church would focus more on their relationship with God first right. than their relationship with people before they are so concerned with trying to build something like a word that the Lord gave me when I was trying to, or I was being a church intern in college was dwell before you propel. So anything good has to come from, you know, great relationship with Jesus or else it's not going to stand. It's not going to be sustainable. And I think the churches are a failure to do that. Our failure on just trying to build so many different things is why we're burnt out and we don't have the motivation. Dwell before you propel. That will preach lady. (laughs) I know it could be a little sermon, right? It could, but that's what I think. Do you have any thoughts? I do. And just because of my own personal testimony and you know, what I studied, you know, I got my PhD in leadership and spiritual formation. What I want the church to pay attention to is the integrity of leaders. Mm. Um, I think that we have lost a lot of, um, cultural, not cultural authority, but, um, what is the word that I'm looking for? The, um, integrity because of how many church leaders have fallen. And so if we can have integrity and leadership, and somehow have leaders rise up in order to, mm-hmm. you know, people that love God. Maybe they need to be more dwelling. Maybe right. that's what leaders need to do. They need to do more dwelling. Maybe it's the same answer. Right. I think it's all connected for sure. Mm-hmm. Like having a relationship with God as the source. But Well, today joining us again in the on the show is Susan Yim. Susan Yim is an organizational consultant who has done organizational consulting in several different sectors, including the public education and in churches. And she has a few ideas to share with us about how the church might be able to change in order to adapt to a changing culture. Um, Susan, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me again. So you have an extensive background as an organizational consultant in several types of organizations. And in our in a conversation that we previously had, you mentioned that you saw some similar dysfunctions in the church as you did in the public education system. And I was wondering what similarities you saw between the public education system and the church when it comes to um, dysfunctional organizational practice. Okay. I think I did actually mention that in terms of business, a lot of the dysfunction. Um, and, it, you know, it does go in line with uh, public education system as well. I think that there are specific things that we 
don't have in the public education system. We have teachers that usually go up to principals and, you know, different district management positions that don't have a business background. And I think that a lot of public education, the similarity between that and religious organizations is that we're running like a business. Um, we're running a nonprofit. We're running with, you know, tithing. So there's finances involved. But the position, like you said, Haley, the leadership, I think that's really important. And if the leaders don't have the background, the certification or the training or the experience, to have those particular positions, that's where I think it's kind of going awry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a business, you have a CEO, a CFO, a COO, and all these people have you know, experience, again, in a healthy business. <laughs> um, and so they have the leadership qualities and the skill set and the training and the education for those particular positions. So what I think is missing in public education and in the churches um, in the institutions is oftentimes those positions are not um, maybe they don't have the skill set required and so that causes an unhealthy organization right because you know people usually when they're doing leadership in church settings they want to pastor and pastoring mm-hmm. is really different from operating a nonprofit ministry or a business right people get so mission-minded right. that they don't think about what it's going to actually take to implement that mission. And Susan, you've mentioned that church should either be like a well-oiled machine, like a functional nonprofit business, or it should be Uh on the complete other end of the spectrum, like a house church, because meeting in the middle has not seemed to work. And and I've, that's what I've seen is everybody's trying to do both. But so can you elaborate on that concept? um, Why it needs to be one or the other? Sure. And again, this is just my, this is my opinion. And things have changed over the year ever since I've left, you know, the church, um, the the local church. And so, again, things might change again. But in what I'm seeing now currently, um, again, I'm seeing churches that are functioning as a business, right? They're a nonprofit and actually don't have anything against that. I'm thinking, you know, this is a great way to bring people in, to know the Lord. However, I'm seeing it. Uh, I feel like a lot of the positions are filled with people who are, um, for example, it's a ministry, right? Oh, this person is really going through a hard time and lost their job, and we have a position open. Maybe we could, they could fill it. Maybe we could train them. Um, and I think, again, the mission, missional-minded church is very necessary, ministry-oriented, grace um, and love. But when it's run as a business, I feel like it should be run as a business, meaning if your pastor is going to be leading a church that has this particular vision, then you should bring people on board with that skill set. And like you said, hey, um, I think it was Hannah, you said dwell before you propel. So underlying the very first thing is spiritual maturity, right? So all of these people in those positions, leadership positions, need to be spiritually sound and mature. But then the second thing is they actually need to have the experience and the skill set for the accountant, for the spiritual leaders, um, pastors and seminaries, I don't know if, unless you're in pastoral care or spiritual formation, I don't think they train you in relationships. And that is one of the most important things in church. So are our leaders being trained in relationships? Are they being developed? Is there a professional devel- development mm-hmm. for the leadership? And I don't see a lot of that in churches. Mm-hmm. So that's the business model. And then the house church 
you don't have to worry about all of that. You don't have to worry about the finances. You don't have to worry about, I mean, you do. You're gathering those finances to give them, right, as a tithe, as an offering, where you all agree to. But it's the Acts model of church, right? So it's back to Jesus' time. What did church look like? Um, You know, I, I believe that those two models are where my heart is. I think those are the models that can work at this point. Right. That makes sense. Um, And I think people sometimes hear house church and they get intimidated by a possible lack of structure or not knowing what to do because it is more innovative. There's not as many things set in stone as an institutional church. So what are some ways that you have seen that maybe a house church could function effectively Mm -hmm. or just have some kind of structure in place that isn't too suffocating, but also not too loose? I feel like that's the challenge. Yeah, and, you know, again, I think it comes to what both of you were saying about leadership. Um, I know that there are many types of house church models. Some people will say, like, oh, well, anyone can start a house church. Um, You know, it doesn't need to be an ordained pastor. It doesn't need to be, um, you know, there's just many different models. So I am a a bit of a control freak. So this (laughs) one was a really hard one for me because, you know, it really could go awry. Um, you know, what if you get a heretic that starts this church and then you have people totally falling away from God? Um, but truly, I believe house church is a community. So a community is built on relationships. Yeah. And you really can't control. Um, and, and so, yes, there is that danger of, okay, what if people get led astray? But I believe that, you know, um, you know, God is God, right? <laughs> and I trust God. Um there are going to be, just like right now, there are churches that are hurting people. Uh, it is it is definitely a possibility. But what I also see is that there aren't being true relationships being formed in many of the larger church models that are semi-business, semi-run um, as a business. And so, you know, Jesus had 12 disciples. And I believe that a house church model where you can really get close to people, really get to know them, do life together, eat and share together and, you know, share your dreams and your visions and your passions together. Um, that, that model seems to work best, investing in people's lives. And so I think really it does work better when you have a strong leader, meaning a servant leader, not someone who just tells people what to do, but lives it out and models it. Right. So when you have that, it does tend to work better from what I've seen. Right. And that doesn't have to mean the leader is the one preparing a message, preaching, feeding people literally and figuratively every week. They just need to be somebody to kind of be there, mm-hmm. right, and and provide the structure and who they are and even just by having a home. Yeah, what, and I think leaders lift people up. And so that means that it'll be a shared responsibility mm-hmm. of facilitating the feeding of all of that. That's so true, and you don't really see that, and I have not seen that in traditional <laughs> church leadership necessarily, the, the yeah. corporate lifting up of the entire congregation, because it can just get so big. Right, because, right. you know, I mean, here we have a whole congregation of people who, you know, if you study the scriptures, you know, people are gifted by God. Every person is gifted by God in some way, and... I think that there's a lot of missed opportunities sometimes when we're not able to activate the whole body of Christ using the giftedness that God has given them, you know, as we see in Ephesians four about how the, the body of Christ works together like a physical body, Mm -hmm. you know, the hand and the eyes and everyone works together in order to complete the mission of Christ. 
sure. Absolutely. Uh, so what do you think are some of the benefits of a house church? Well, honestly, I think that the house church model, um, and some churches do this, they try to do small groups as almost like a mini house church within the church, right? Um, but I think the benefits of the house church is that you have that relational model of people really doing life together. And without the bureaucracy and the politics and the, um, you know, for example, when I was leading the small group and, and they said, oh, do outreach groups. And then they said, okay, well, no, those didn't work. So I almost felt like I was obligated to do certain things that I didn't really agree with. And so, and people, and then things kept changing. Whereas the house church model, I feel like, again, you know, you call it house church, but it could just be a community. And I believe that the belonging um, before believing model is something that I strongly recommend for the house church. So that goes against the grain because a lot of people think house church, well, they're all believers. No, I think you should actually open it up to um, people who are in your circle, uh, your neighbors, your friends who don't know God. I mean, the whole point of church, I felt like, was to go out into the community and share God, share Jesus with the world. So if that's not happening, then I think there's something wrong with your house church model. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just to stay within and have, like, you know, good times with your little group of people who love God. Um, you know, we need to spread that, right? Well, you know, and I think it's a really ripe opportunity right now with the where we are and where the generations are right now with their openness mm-hmm. to spirituality. They don't like organized religion for various reasons, but they are open to spirituality. They are open mm-hmm. to Jesus. And yes. there, there is an opportunity there to connect that longing in their heart that God has placed a longing in their heart for him and to be able to connect in a way that Maybe they might not, maybe they are too scared to go to church or maybe they have preconceptions or maybe they have a lot of church hurt. That's something that we have talked a lot about on this program. It's something that I've heard a lot about, but you know, these younger generations are completely, you know, open to hearing about Jesus. And with that, you know, Mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about how church, the term has almost become as important as ambiguous as the term evangelical, like it can mean an actual church, a group of people, whatever. And if you have a house church with the goal of having non-believers and believers alike, I almost wonder if not even calling it a house church is probably the best model, like not calling it anything, you know, because more people. (laughs) That's a great point. I hadn't thought about that before. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think when we started our clubhouse room, we put church in quotes. We thought that would actually be clear. Hey, this is not really the institutional church, but we still have people coming in going, oh, is this a Sunday church online? And we're like, no. <laughs> so, uh, Hannah, I agree. I would not call my group a house church. I would actually call it something different. And it's kind of like what we're doing with Dean and um, which is the mentorship group. We don't call it a church because I think that does deter the younger generation. They're leaving in droves. They, they don't want anything to do with church. But like you said, Haley, they want, they're hungry for spirituality, relationship, for God. So, yeah, I think it's it's semantics, but it's very important. Mm -hmm. It really is, you know, and in in my consultation, when I do consultation with churches, I Mm -hmm. often ask them, I say, if for some reason your church closed its doors, would your Mm -hmm. surrounding community even notice 
and yeah. you know giving your extensive background your experience um, how do you think that churches can better serve their communities how can they turn outward facing to be an active part of their local community right where they are mm-hmm. yeah so Honestly, I feel like the groups that we've been forming are affinity groups. So it's something that everybody kind of has an affinity towards, and that's where you find your groupings because you're passionate about a specific topic or a specific community. So I think once you gather people with the same heart, then it's more obvious, and they want to go out into the community. So, for example, um, I know that one of my churches really had a heart for um, the homeless. And so they had all these different types of events for the homeless, and they actually did things together. And they made their presence known in the community by actually going out there and saying, hey, we have this, um, you know, feast for you. We have all of these gifts for you. We have all this food for you. We have things that we can do for you. And they started infiltrating that community, meaning in a very positive way. Um, So I think that as a community, uh, a house church or whatever type of community you're serving and you're a part of, um, you need to actually start affecting, like you said, if you closed your doors, would people notice? So it may not even be in your local community. So let's say I believe that local communities are very important, face-to-face, hands-on, getting real with people um, in person, I believe is very effective, and I think it needs to be. But there are times where it's online, it's international. But if you disappeared, you know, even online, would people notice you? So the thing with the future of church, even though we're online, uh, and even though we say we might actually disappear, we may not be there forever because Clubhouse is an entry point, right? This is a place where everybody can come together and get to know each other. But once they get to know each other and start being active in the community, will we need this platform anymore? I think we need to be able to, to you know, just change and grow and pivot, but at the same time, always leaving an outlet. So if you disappear in your community, is it because you morphed and changed and decided to do something else? And in that way, are you going to provide an outlet for people to follow you or connect them to another group? Right. And, um, you know, I, I think that went a little bit off topic, but, <laughs> but um, yes, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. With, if, with the community notice, um, I think community is a very uh, broad word. And so community whoever you're a part of, whoever you're affecting, they should notice. They should say, like, what happened? And hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully you won't disappear without any, <laughs> without any um, you know, warning or any, you know, um, anything set up for people to actually follow along with you. Yeah, that's a good point. Because if you're, you know, if you're a smaller house church and your goal maybe isn't initially to go out and do all of this community service, it's like, will the, mm-hmm. the people in that community notice if the group dissolved or if people stopped into their lives? Like, is some kind of impact happening? Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, say they grow a little bit or it isn't a traditional church that wants to go and serve the community. I guess it, it basically is, is, to speak in business terms, are your key activities helping you achieve your value proposition mm-hmm. the way you want to serve? <laughs> but Hannah has a business background. <laughs> I, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so again, you know, it's you're mixing like that house model with the business model, right? And so um and I do love the terminology because that gives it a little bit more clarity. But there are some house churches or groups that are just 
focus on Bible study, right? Okay, we're just going to learn the Bible, and we're going to be ingrained in it so that we can go out. Um, in that case, I don't think anybody would notice that you're gone. Right. Um, so then you have that poses the question, then what are you doing, right? Um, absolutely, I think equipping is important. But in the midst of that, you know, is anyone else noticing? Well, what are we equipping um, for is the question. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, to learn the Bible, to know who God is. I mean, A.W. Tozer said the most important thing about a person is what they think about God. And, mm-hmm. you know, that is the very first sentence I read in my very first seminary class when I was 23 years old, which was 20 years ago. And it has not wow. left me because what are, what are our conceptions about God and what our conceptions about God directly influence how we behave, what we believe mm-hmm. about ourselves, what we believe mm-hmm. about others, how kind we are to other people, you know, and are we demonstrating the character of Christ to demonstrate the character of Christ to other people? You actually have to know who he is, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And you know, there's sometimes I think that there might be a tendency for, you know, a little bit of spiritual obesity where we go to church Mm -hmm. and we get fed and we get fed and we get fed and we're never, um, um, challenged or we're never even, mm-hmm. people aren't even aware that they can actually go out and start to exercise their faith and exercise the things they learn and put that into practice. And, mm-hmm. you know, yes, when you learn about the Bible, it helps you with self-care. Yes, it can lift depression. Yes, it can lift anxiety, but it also can transform the world. And that's really ultimately what we're doing equipping for. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you say, what do we think about God? I think that the church oftentimes kind of indoctrinated us to think that God is a scary God. God is a vengeful God. God is, you know, if we don't believe in God, then we're going to go to hell. So a lot of the, the, a lot of the focus uh, was kind of fear-based. And so that's not my God. You know, my God is not someone I'm afraid of. Um, my God is someone who loves me. Like, that is the basis of my relationship with God. And that propelled me into loving others because God loves me and God wants me to love him and others. Um, you know, that's what actually takes me into the community to better the community, to make a change, to be there for the people. So um, I love what you said about what do you think about God here? And I think that's the really foundational um, truth that you kind of live off of, right? Right. So. Susan, before we go real quick, this is a big question to ask you to do quickly, but in 30 seconds, 30 seconds, (laughs) 30 seconds. Okay. Where do you think the capital C church will be in I'm actually thankful for the pandemic because uh, not for all the, you know, the, the loss and the pain, but I think it really made the churches rethink what they're doing. A lot of times people are thinking now um, the church is irrelevant. So how are we going to be relevant? I think we'll be smaller communities. I think we'll be online communities. I think we'll be um, where the younger people are going to say, hey, uh, I don't think we like the way church was done. So I think it's going to look different. Hopefully the younger people will be heading this and um, spearheading a new kind of new type of community of churches. So uh, that's my hope. What do I think it will be? It takes a very long time for churches to change. So I'm hoping instead of trying to fix church from the inside, 
um, we're almost kind of going to dismantle it and start again, mm. uh, which is what happens historically, right, over right. and over again with church. Well, Susan, thank you again so much for sharing your expertise and your experience with us and just, you know, sharing your love for the church and your love for Jesus. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Grace Scott and Hannah Greaser. Visit our website at www.christiancurious.co to find more shows and find out more about us. That's www.christiancurious.co. Stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious. You can contact Dr. Haley at Haley, H-A-L-E-E, at ChristianCurious.co. That's H-A-L-E-E at ChristianCurious.co. Catch all the episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also learn more at www.ChristianCurious.co.